Is social media and technology improving your personal life? Is it enhancing your relationships? Or is it making things worse? Many people wonder whether technology and all its benefits, and there are great benefits, as much as it's connecting us on one level, many feel it's also disconnecting us. Much more alienation, disorientation, crisis in relationships and intimacy. So please join me in this important conversation. Is social media making us less social? Let's explore what technology is doing to us and what we can do to use these benefits and these gifts to advance and grow our personal lives and our relationships. Hi, this is Simon Jacobson, and we will be speaking about Is Social Media Making Us Less Social? This program is dedicated by Gavriel Snyder and family in loving memory of Dora Ruth Bas Avraham, who exemplified King Solomon's Woman of Valor and served Hashem with piety and joy. Is Social Media Making Us Less Social or More Social? A very, very good question. Let's begin on a very personal note. Ask yourself, is technology, smartphones, and everything that comes with it, enhancing, improving your personal life and your relationships or not? Or it makes no difference. It's exactly where it was before. Because on one hand, there's no question in technology and its major advancements breathtaking advancements, have connected the world in unprecedented ways. We literally can communicate with each other to the point where we have transcended the distinctions between time and space. Any time, any place, any idea, everything can be communicated instantaneously. So you would think that that would lend itself to connecting us more. And yet we find on a personal level, people are not necessarily more internally connected. There isn't less anxiety. There isn't more intimacy and personal relationships. I remember sitting in a car, we were being driven, me and a few others, I was sitting right near a friend, a classmate from many years ago, and we uh, haven't spoken in a while, so we're trying to catch up. But he's busy texting. 
And I'm trying to have a conversation with him, but he's texting and he keeps telling me soon, soon. I could not get his attention. So what did I do? I texted him. <laughs> he's sitting right near me. He's looking at his text. Then he looks at me, looks at the text. He's wondering if this is the same person. And he says, are you texting me? And I said, yes, I am. He said, but you're sitting right near me. I said, because I can't get your attention. So he smiled and said, okay, wait in line till I get to you. When's the last time we had a conversation eye to eye without distractions, without texts, without other disturbances, just eye to eye, heart to heart, open, vulnerable, personal. So no one is denying the benefits and values of technology. But as one person told it to me, he says, I wonder whether it's emancipating me or enslaving me. Are our gadgets, are our smartphones, are our technologies, our social media, and everything that goes with it, enhancing, freeing us? Or are we now enslaved to these devices? Now, there's no question that technology is neutral. Technology does not have an inherent evil in it. But neutral means neutral. It also doesn't have an inherent good in it. It's purely a tool and an instrument. What happens is, if we get enslaved to our tools and our instruments, it's still called slavery. It's still called addiction. You know, I've been speaking about this recently, and I want to just sum it up. I think it's very relevant here. You know, addiction, people often associate with the most extreme forms of it. Drug addiction, alcohol, gambling, sex. But addiction really means being attached to something to the point that you are enslaved to it instead of it being enslaved to you. In other words, you can be addicted to your smartphone. You can be addicted to video games. You can be addicted to many things. Some are more destructive than others. But don't ever think that psychologically, just because what you're addicted to may not hurt anybody, it doesn't mean that it's taken control away from you because you are now completely consumed with it. And a free person is someone who uses everything that are at their disposal as tools and instruments to enhance our lives. But it's obvious that if you don't have an internal life on your own, then the instruments can become that life. You can live vicariously through your, through television, through internet, through social media. So you see where I'm going here. The point is not what the social media does. It's the question is what you have before you enter the fray. In the good old days, in the early days of the internet, computing, there was an expression, I'm sure it's still around, junk in, junk out. People thought, okay, now I have a computer. Now I, I can crunch numbers. Everything is so much quicker. I can communicate instantaneously anywhere in the world. That's it. It's utopia. No, junk in, junk out. What does that mean? If you put junk into a computer, it'll just, it'll, it'll exponentially amplify that. If you put something good in it, it'll amplify the good. It's like anything. It's like a megaphone. Depends what you speak into it. If you speak words that are of hate and spew venom, then these machines will just amplify that. If you speak kind words and love and compassion, 
then it will amplify that. In my book, Torah Meaningful Life, I tell a story. A young girl, when she was in the 40s, the 50s, she went to see the Rebbe. And the topic then in school was atomic energy. Right, atom, right around the time when the atom bomb was dropped. So atomic energy was the big topic. So the Rebbe asked her, what is she studying in school? She said atomic energy. Do you have any questions about it? She, yes, she wants to know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Because here the, bomb, the bombs were dropped, Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and we know what kind of devastation it wrought. On the other hand, it's a tremendous amount of energy. So the Rebbe smiled and said to her, is a kitchen knife a good thing or a bad thing? He was prodding her to answer the question. Of course, it's how, it depends how you use it. If you use it to cut food, to cut some bread, for healthy purposes, it's a good thing. It's, an important, it's a healthy tool. If, God forbid, you use it to hurt someone, it becomes a destructive tool, a weapon. So it's all about what you use it for. So, of course, then the question is not about technology and social media. It's about you and I. What do we stand for? If you have an internal purpose and higher calling, then technology will enhance that. And if you don't, it will enhance whatever is coming from you. Or even furthermore, it may be the one that takes control over you because if you don't have it within you, then you look online and say, oh, what's the flavor of the day? What's going to turn me on today? What's going to excite me? Which is even worse. If you have, if someone has nefarious plans, then technology can be used to be destructive. But if you don't have anything, then you suddenly become a slave to whatever is being beamed or streamed into your consciousness. So the real challenge that technology poses to us is what do you stand for? So when we didn't have these technologies, we didn't have social media, so you lived in a little town, I go back a few hundred years ago, where most of us didn't travel, you're probably born and died in the same city, knew a certain amount of people, and yes, we had our challenges because human beings always have challenges. Our vices and our virtues, the things that are, virtue, are, are the, our kindness and our sensitivities, and also our selfishness. But it wasn't magnified. The other people that you knew also had these challenges, and that was your life. Today, everything is broadcast. So if one person is suffering from some anxiety, there's immediately a group that you can join, and you see other people's anxiety. I don't necessarily mean a formal group. So suddenly everything is becoming magnified. Every, it's a small global village. If people are celebrating a joyous occasion, that also becomes amplified. So that's really how we should look at technology. Simply the amplification of what's there already. But obviously, as we know the line goes, the medium has become the message. Once something becomes amplified on such an, to such an extent, it gets a life of its own. Then that itself is headlines. Oh, 10 million people have watched this in this TikTok. Or more. And then so that becomes a life of its own, a monster of its own, or whatever you want to call it. But, but we always have to remember, at the end of the day, it's a neutral instrument, a neutral tool. And it's up to us to decide what we're going to do with it. 
So now is the time to actually take control of your life, more than ever. Because the fact of the matter is, social media can create a distorted reality. I don't know if the website still exists, but I remember years ago, I think it was called Second Life. Second Life. You joined this particular website, I think it was quite expensive actually, and you can create a second life. A new personality, a new identity, new relationships, a new persona. And it was a whole elaborate system. It was like living in virtual reality that was nothing to do with your own reality. I remember it fascinated me how many people live, are escaping their realities. I mean, perhaps in a less uh, blatant way, when we worship, whether it's superstars in sports, in Hollywood, in music, we are also living vicariously through them, just as I know people cannot miss one episode of their soap opera, even though it's complete fiction. But they live through those people. So per se, it doesn't sound like so uh, terrible. It sounds pretty innocuous. But it's not so simple. Because if it's replacing living through yourself, instead of dealing with your own pains and joys, you're living through someone else's pains and joys, then you're avoiding your life. Which can be comfortably numb. Makes it easier. You're in your comfort zone. And that's where technology can take over. Second life. You have a second life. And there are many people who have these anonymous names, and anonymous characters. Sometimes it can be used in a very destructive and perverse way. But even if it's not to that extent, it's still not you. Why aren't you comfortable in your own skin? Which brings us back to connections and attachments. At the end of the day, one of the things technology does best in social media is connecting people. You don't have to travel anywhere. You could sit in the comfort of your own environment and connect what you connect about, we've been discussing, and we'll discuss more. But you can connect. It could be about nonsense, it could be about let's go to an event, it can be groups, it could be family, it could be friends, it could be strangers. The interesting word is connections here. Connections lies at the heart and essence of who we are as human beings. From long before our consciousness remembers, we were connected. Nine months you were completely connected to your mother, spending nine months in her womb, attached by an umbilical cord, feeding from her food, breathing from her air, and experiencing everything within that comfortable, protective, embryonic fluids. Then, a healthy child is born, the umbilical cord is cut, but still there's attachment the need of the child to be cuddled, to be hugged, to be embraced, to be nurtured, to be fed by his or her mother and father. And that's a necessity. It's not a nice thing. It's a necessity. We know what the kind of separation anxiety is created when a child is torn away tragically from a parent at an early age. We don't even know full impact, but we know that it's a deep impact. In contrast to once what was thought that a child was deaf, deaf, dumb, and blind and nothing affected the child. Absolutely the opposite. The younger the child, more impressionable. 
The example, one of the examples given that we're like a warm ball of wax when we're young. And every experience is etched into that wax. And as the wax hardens into adult, an adult, those experiences become part of who we are. Which is why it's so difficult to change. That doesn't mean you can't, but, but, it's, still, but it's difficult. So in that context, the attachments, connections, are critical to our lives. And these, of course, are healthy attachments. Now, should this attachment be severed in any way? And that can take on the shape of many different things. Serious childhood trauma, absenteeism, abandonment, where the security and the comforts and the nurturing of the child are in some way compromised. And I don't mean a one-time thing. Every human being has resilience to deal with ups and downs. But consistently, consistently being criticized, consistently being judged, being dismissed, invalidated, these sever attachments because what it's doing is the exact opposite of validating, of supporting, of nurturing. Think of a a flower and you stop paying attention to it. You don't water it. Or even worse, you deprive it, what will happen to the flower? It will wither. Same thing with the soul, same thing with the child. Any type of compromise to attachments will deprive the child of something critical. But here's the, here's the catch. It doesn't go away. The hunger and the need. What will a person do when they're thirsty and, and hungry? They'll desperately seek some form of attachment. And whatever comes their way, that's why people can be very vulnerable and sometimes vulnerable to predators, to parasites, to others that take advantage. Not even necessarily, again, always in a nefarious or in an evil way, but become dependent on love. And people begin to become pleasers, buying love in different ways because of the desperate need for that nourishment. So it's coming from a very healthy place. But now the attachments you can become attached to things that are not necessarily healthy. So it's no surprise that suddenly social media comes your way and here, such an easy way to get connected and attached, go for it. I have new friends, followers, companions, whatever the names are called. So initially it can seem very, again, innocuous and innocent. But what's lying at the heart of it if you become too attached to it because perhaps you're lacking attachment in a healthy way. Now, if a person uses social media to connect to someone they truly love and that that person loves you and you love them, and social media serves as a way of connecting because they may be traveling, or even if they're not traveling, but it's a way of connecting throughout the day. But remember, the attachment precedes the media, the media, social media. The attachment precedes the instrument. That's healthy. Then the instrument is serving you. But if it's replacing an attachment, that's where you're finding it. And that's where you become dependent on it. That changes the entire equation. Now, of course, there are situations, whether it's dating apps or other online ways people connect. And I've seen relationships develop from there. Okay, that would be a good way of using it. And people can develop relationships. I know people are very happily married. And it did begin online. Okay, but then again, it's an instrument that was used for something productive. Remember, we're talking about something neutral. 
it all comes down to what you're seeking. Everyone who's addicted to anything, even the worst forms of addictions, always keep in mind, distinguish between the passion, the thirst, the need to attach to something, and the object of your attachment. The object can be the big problem. If it's something destructive, something, something that becomes dependent, something that physically or psychologically takes control of your life, that's the problem. The fact that you're seeking attachment, that's who we are. As I said, from the youngest age, even prior to our being born. And, and there's no question, that's the reason that we have those nine months. In a way, God made it that way, that every one of us will have nine months at least of a healthy attachment. Even if the mother is not always, always the healthiest person, but in some way the child is protected. I'm not talking about severe cases where a mother abuses herself and ingests other things that have a direct impact on the fetus, on the child. But generally speaking, a mother's neurosis, even though it is important that the mother in preg- during pregnancy should also be as calm as possible because it will affect the child, but there are la- layers of filters that protect the child to some extent. So we all have that from the earliest stages, like a fish in water, literally. The embryo, the fetus within the embryonic fluids. That comfort, that protection, that womb, that hearth. But then the question and the challenge is, what happens later? As I said, if something is severed, then we're going to seek attachments in all the wrong places. And whatever comes your way, a thirsty person traveling in the desert, have nothing to drink. If something toxic suddenly comes your way, you're going to drink it. So going back to social media, is social media making us less social? Absolutely, if you're not in control of it. It's not neutral. Because if it becomes your go-to place that replaces your boredom, your monotony, and it's not necessarily enhancing who you are and enhancing your relationships, that's exactly what it's going to do. I hear, remember I was in Silicon Valley last year, I gave a lecture there place where social media was born in many ways. And the line there, they, te- they say is the most, the social media builders of social media are the most antisocial people. <laughs> Which seems ironic. So someone explained to me, because remember, these are individuals who didn't have a social life, so they, they built a technology where you can have connections to everyone, and in many ways not have any connections. No one knows who you really are. You could have thousands of friends on Facebook and not have one friend. And someone gave me this analogy there, this joke, I guess they say. It's somewhat a little gallows humor, literally, but I'll share it. The times of the guillotine, Robespierre. So we know the guillotine was a, uh, quite a, a barbaric form of killing people. So there the rule was that when you were arrested or whatever reason they decided to guillotine you, the rule was that if the guillotine, for every re- any reason, malfunctions, you're freed. Okay, so there was a, doc- a, lo- a doctor, a lawyer, and a, so- and a social media engineer, all condemned to the guillotine. The doctor goes down, the person who was actually performing the act was particularly sadist, sadistic. So he returned the person to face the guillotine instead of face down, face up. 
<laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's a little uh, chilling. Anyway, as God would help, the guillotine malfunctioned. The doctor is freed. Then comes the lawyer. Same thing, malfunctioned. Freed. Then comes the te- this tech guy. And he's looking. And before the guillotine is about to do this, he says, I think I know what the problem is. So he solved the problem, the technical problem, but at the expense, he forgot that it's going to affect him. And there was a certain dissonance. That's a joke they, they told me. These were some social media, big social media people told me this joke. So I don't know, appropriate, not appropriate, I just shared it. A dissonance. This doesn't mean there aren't brilliant people. But sometimes we escape from our emotional vulnerabilities. We don't want to be exposed by creating a persona that so seems so social. But we're not condemned to that. And here's the good news. You have choice. The first thing is awareness. Awareness of a problem is have the cure. Being aware. Don't just do things automatically. Be deliberate. So next time you take your smartphone, I have one to demonstrate. Next time you go online one way or another, think about it. Think of it as a tool for you. So how do you develop you? By thinking about yourself. Before you get use any of these instruments. You don't begin using instruments. First start with yourself. Immerse yourself in the spiritual spa we've been speaking about. SPA. Study, prayer, action. Cognitive, emotional, and behavioral conditioning. What does that mean? That every morning, take a few minutes and read and study something spiritual. Get your head in the right place. Say a prayer or two. Thank you for returning my soul to me. Famous Moda'ani. Emotional conditioning. A prayer. Emoting with yourself and your soul. And then do an act. SPA, study prayer action. An act of kindness. Charity. Give someone a call, send them a message. But it should be serving another. Feed your soul through the cognitive, emotional, and behavioral, and then enter the world of technology. And let that amplify your soul's purpose in this world. Your whole life will change. Don't let it control you. Don't let it feel, okay, now I'm obligated to go on. I have to comment. My friend wrote this. My colleague wrote that. My coworker. Obviously, I'm not suggesting disrupting your whole life. If you need technologies for your work, you're doing that. But think about it. Be deliberate about it. And when you do that, and you're working on yourself, which is not as comfortable. It's much easier to escape into the second life of a virtual reality. You will find yourself... And then technology, social media, will become a tool, yes, to become more social, to become more connected. Because at the end of the day, we need, we are social creatures. We are social, I don't want to call it animals. We're social beings. We need each other. As I said before, we need healthy attachments. We need love. We need relationships. And we all complement each other. So while we're also... Individuals, we all need each other. As I often mention, we're like all indispensable musical notes in a large composition, in a large symphony. But you cannot begin by connecting to others if you don't have a connection with yourself as an adult. 
in the words of Hillel, if I'm not for myself, who will be for me? Not your, not your smartphone, not social media. And then, if I'm only for myself, what am I? Then you need others as well. Build personal relationships outside of technology, then technology will enhance your personal relationships in far greater ways. Speaking for myself, Meaningful Life Center, our organization, we use technology all the time. I'm using it right now. But our mission is to let technology be an instrument to bring a message of light and love to the world. Let it be amplified. Let us share it. Let it have that ripple and butterfly effect that impacts people everywhere. So I wish upon you, find that inner love, find that inner connections, and then use all the tools you need to amplify it, to broadcast it if you need to be. Not everything has to be broadcast, obviously, but meaning using it in a positive way. And there's nothing wrong. We have in Judaism the Shabbat, one day a week, we should unplug to work on ourselves. And then when we enter the world again, we can bring this soulfulness from within and live inside out instead of outside in. Thank you so much. This has been Simon Jacobson. Meaningfullife.com is our website where you can find this and many other programs. I'd love to hear feedback, your thoughts, your comments, your suggestions. And of course, share it in every way possible. This may be one good way of sharing something, using social media, using other technologies and platforms to share a message of kindness, of love, of discovering your personal mission. Be blessed and be well. Thank you so much. This program is brought to you by the Meaningful Life Center. Please help us continue our programs. Make even a small contribution at MeaningfulLife.com donate.